Welcome to Cloudlandia. Mr. Sullivan. Uh, Mr. Jackson. Uh Uh-huh. Were you just holding out on me there for about 15 seconds? Uh, (laughs) No, I must have had my... uh, I must have had my thing on uh, mute, so here we are. Yes, yeah, yeah. You know something? I, I'm discovering that it's easier to organize things very quickly and very efficiently in Cloudlandia, but not so much in the mainland. Oh boy, amen. <laughs> uh, you know, I there's good, uh, you know, there's good evidence for that. So I've been doing my. Um, I have a new workshop that I do called the my lead conversion uh, workshop. And we talk about everything from the moment somebody opts in till the moment that you uh, start collaborating with them in your during unit to get whatever result you're going to help them get. And, um, oh, Paul uh, Hamilton came to uh, that one. Oh, yeah. And, oh, no, we've been doing uh, remarkably better with qualified lead generation. Um, If you measure from the beginning of the lockdown until now, I would say two Mm -hmm. or three times better. That's awesome. Yeah, and and, and they've attended, uh, you know, it's been a number of our marketing team has attended your lead generation workshops. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And so- You're a lead, um, you're, you're you're a lead generating <laughs> That's right. And what I yeah. learned I among, among other among among other notable capabilities, you are a lead generating guru. Well, I've had an interesting insight because the format of this one is that we do uh, three Tuesday sessions in a row. So we <laughs> instead of <laughs> one full day or two days, we do three sessions, three hours each. And uh, I have, about three months ago, I had an open spot for one of them, um, the sort of two days before the, the workshop. And I sent out a message saying, hey, I've got a spot for the lead conversion workshop that starts on Tuesday. Would you like to join us? And, mm-hmm. and Dan, I ended up getting four new people to come to the workshop. And I've done that now. The last three workshops in a row have had four or five people who drop every, like do organize very quickly to come mm-hmm. on Tuesday, even, um, you know, quicker than my my theory is that it must be easier right now for people to see what's going to happen and make a decision about Tuesday than, you know, four Tuesdays from now. Yeah. Well, think about, uh, yeah, well, think about, um, let's say I, I look at my calendar and I've got something scheduled for, <clears throat> the time that you're offering for the, you know, the special event. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so now, in order to change what I'm doing to something else, is that uh, something that requires changing travel plans and hotel plans and uh, mm-hmm. uh, everybody else that I was doing with it, or is it simply a matter of saying, sure, sure? We we can mm-hmm. find an alternative date for that. Okay, and I've so settled. you know I mean they um, if you want you know the 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 you know I mean just the source of human difficulty historically comes down to one thing. What is that? Gravity. Mm, yes. If Very you're doing things in the mainland. Uh, I don't care if you're walking across the room. It takes a lot of effort. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, and that's something I've just stumbled and on. If you change, if you change your plans on something in the mainland, um, you're probably going to change the plans of a dozen, you know, dozen 
different people yeah. in the world. Yeah. Whether they were connected with the event or not, they were part of people getting to the event, and that yeah. just got changed. That just got changed. Yeah. yeah. And um, and but to just have an idea and look at the calendar and just send out a message, and you're not saying you have to. You're not saying to the world you have to come and show this, but would it? You know, um, would this be? something that you'd like to do it so it's all yeah. cheese that's exactly right and you know the interesting thing that i've could you just explain briefly to... those people who don't know the your, your different your binary differentiation between cheese and whiskers <laughs> yeah yeah so that is something that i read a study about uh why we use mice in all these, uh, you know, motivational studies. And it's because they, uh, mice generally act very, uh, similarly to humans in, in the motivation and aspiration types of uh, things. And mm -hmm. I started thinking, well, that makes sense because, you know, how we always say that we've got this, you know, mouse brain kind of thing is the, the core. And, I realized that, uh, you know, if you're a mouse, a mouse really isn't burdened with this prefrontal cortex of the brain that's really evolved. And they must have a very simple life. The, the, you know, the prime directives of a mouse are two things to get cheese and avoid cats. That's really the, the, Two prime directives if you're going to be mm -hmm. a, a cat or a, a mouse successful. And when left alone, they're just pursuing cheese all day. You know, and so I thought metaphorically, it's the same thing that we as, you know, humans walking around with our <clears throat> mouse brain underneath these layers of our prefrontal cortex here uh, are roaming around looking for cheese, the good things, the things we want, and we're looking to avoid the bad, the, the, you know, and, and you think about a mouse, uh, the thing I would say about what's a cheese to a mouse is compelling. You don't have to convince. It's a compelling offer. It's a compelling offer. You don't it's have not to a convince. convince. It's not a convincing argument that, that right. handles, uh, that was handled uh, millennia ago. Yes, exactly. And so there, <laughs> if there's cheese on, uh, if there's cheese on the other side of a three-inch door, that mouse will chew through the door to get to the cheese. And as soon as they sense a cat, whiskers. As soon as they even see whiskers, they'll bolt they'll immediately retreat because, and I learned this later, Dan, that evolutionarily we've evolved to weigh bad news and danger heavier than positive news and pleasure. And that's yeah, because, uh, because missing, survival. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, missing out on pleasure, uh, <clears throat> It can, you can always um, try again tomorrow. Yes, but That's uh, right. not paying not paying attention to the danger. There is no yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. yeah, the price, the the, uh, the outcome of dangers is ten times, a hundred times worse than yeah, missing and pleasure. That happens. That's not happening at a cost. At a, I don't know the right. Uh, Words, but that's not happening on a cognitive conscious. level. It's not a conscious. That's happening not a conscious. As, on a mitochondrial level that yeah. our cells are programmed to go into action. Our automatic response mechanism kicks in, just like yeah. your hand gets moved from a hot burner faster than you can consciously think to do that. Yes. So mm -hmm. uh, all of that is really something. And I think that by asking 
people you know, by giving this. Well, here's a, here's another example. I just want to attack this on. They found that all primates, in other words, uh, you know, humans down to, um, you know, <clears throat> all the monkey, monkey kind of creatures, yeah, uh, are born with a fear of snakes. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little Everybody baby has a monkeys. fear of snakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, it's really, really interesting is that because uh, snakes can get to places, you know, like, first of all, snakes, uh, if you had a snake that, uh, you know, had cheese-like appearance, that, that that snake would be a successful snake. Oh, my goodness, yes. <laughs> can you imagine? Yeah. That's something. That's like the uh, yeah. the octopus that they mimic food for smaller, uh, whatever they want. Oh to yeah. Eat. Yeah. Yeah. I've stopped, uh, you know, I stopped eating octopus. I mean, I, I've not made a regular <clears throat> diet out of octopus over the years, but I have it, you know, if I go, I'm a, <clears throat> I'm a weird menu, uh, a weird menu guy. If you go to a okay. restaurant, that's got, so, got something weird on the menu. I'm likely to, Order that an octopus. Have you ever tried a cricket? Never tried. I never tried a cricket. No. Um, okay. No. Okay. Yeah. But have you? I have not. I'm. I am yeah. decidedly not what you would call an adventurous eater. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, like the various, like caribou or reindeer. Mm. You know, elk or something like that, ostrich. Uh, yeah. You know, um, if it's on the menu, there's a good chance that uh, uh-huh. uh, <clears throat> it, it was put there for me, and I'll be the first one to order it. And okay. uh, but octopus, uh, I have a rule: I won't eat things that I can have a relationship with. Oh, okay. Yeah. So. Um, So, for example, there was a French restaurant here in Toronto. It was in Kensington Market, actually. And I went in, and they had Cheval on the menu. And I said, what? I forgot my French. He said, what's Cheval? And he says, well, uh, horse." I said, nope, nope, nope. I can have a relationship. Uh -uh, Nope, can't have that. (laughs) Nope, nope, dog. You know, when I was in Korea during the Army back in the 60s, uh, you'd go out to eat, and they have, you know, <clears throat> uh, they have various dishes like bulgogi, very famous. It's you know, it's kind of like uh, marinated marinated beef. <clears throat> but okay. I tell you, uh, when I uh, somebody told me one of the other soldiers, he says, when you go out to Korean restaurants, remember that everything you think is beef barked before they killed it. Oh man, yeah. Yeah, can't can't eat dog. Can't eat dog. You can have a relationship with dog. Well, I've been reading more and more about octopi, <clears throat> which is the proper plural of octopus, and yeah. Uh, yeah. they're really smart. They're really smart, and they clearly favor one human being over another human being. They they play favorites, and yeah. Um, yeah. they remember they they'll remember you two years later, like they yeah. Example, Dan, if you haven't uh, they, seen it. Uh, if you, I don't know if you still, I know you. No, I saw, I saw bad TV, but, that YouTube. Yeah, yeah there's a YouTube movie that I, uh, that I just saw called My Octopus Teacher, or I think it was yeah. My Octopus Teacher. And it was a guy who spent a year building a relationship with this one octopus. And it was fascinating. I mean, yeah, riveting. Yeah. I never realized how amazing um, and versatile octopus, octopi. You know what their are. problem is? Uh, you know, I mean, whales are really smart. Porpoises, uh, yeah. uh, real smart. Um, uh, octopi, real smart. You know, you know what their real problem is, though? What's that? Fire. Fire? Yeah, they never figured out how to... No, I'd use fire. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
I mean, if you look at human, if you look at human progress, I mean, uh, you know, once you get fi- once you get fire, you can do a lot of a lot of things that you weren't born with. You know, but, the uh, wheel, you know, porpoise. You ever seen a porpoise with a pack of matches? I mean, it's just never pathetic. Never. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, what's this? You don't even. What's yeah. This? Yeah. How do you do it? You know. Yeah. That's funny. Do you know they have hands in their fins, so they it's thought of that they, they do land creatures. Land creatures. Yeah, if you look at the, they do X-rays of the flippers of porpoises, both uh, front and back. They have little kind of like little things on the back end. Well, they can kind of <laughs> and, maneuver them. And the complete uh, outline of a skeletal hand is in uh, four four places. So they had feet. Wow. In they had hands, so for some reason they went back into the water. So um, ah, whales do too. Well, whales do too. Whales well, they have big, big skeletal, but they there's no reason for it to take that shape other than at one time it was a hand, you know, and then they, they gradually. That's crazy. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. So. But the this all started by the cheese and whiskers, and uh, yeah, it it's much easier in the. I, I think it's just much easier in the digital world uh, to clearly communicate which you are to a prospective buyer. It's much much yeah. easier to communicate that this is all about cheese. Yes. Absolutely, and and the fact that people can. And the other thing have, is, if you if you are being misleading, they just click you off. They don't have mm-hmm. to leave the room. They don't have to. You know, it's easy to be banished. To, That's right. Yeah, it's easy to easy to be banished. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's amazing. Um, I had an insight um, this week. Uh, I, I mentioned this. Um, kind of the stats about the creator economy. And mm-hmm. you know, as I was looking um, more into that, that reminds me, Dan, while we're talking, I'm going to email this uh, to you so you can have it. Um, mm-hmm. it so this Sig- Signal Fire did a report on the creator economy, and some of the numbers were um, you know, pretty stunning when I looked through them um, closer. And the one that was really interesting is the size of the, what they're calling the creator economy there that they estimate it at, um, at $8 billion is the size of the creator economy and that it is going to grow to 16 billion by 2025 and it's the fastest growing segment of the economy and uh how many the number one thing um that gen z their number one aspiration is to be a youtuber it's the number more 29 percent want to be youtubers as opposed to uh or as opposed to uh, want to be astronauts, you know, 11% of kids who would normally want to be firemen or, or those kind of things, they want to be YouTubers. They realize that's a real thing now, you know? Um, but my insight was, and it ties back to something that, that you uh, I heard from you, Okay, I just emailed that to you just for your site. Thank you. Told you I would get it to you. Um, That the, um, they talk about the evolution, the history of it, the platforms, right? Which was in the late 2000s, kind of the, uh, you know, 2007, eight, nine, these platforms were being established. YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, you know, iTunes, all of the platforms that made this possible, then the tools that enable you to build on the platform, the creator tools that do it, 
And now we're at the point where there are um, 50 million people who are creators now on these platforms out of the 5 billion people that are users of these platforms. So we're talking about roughly the 1% are sending stuff back up the tubes uh, as opposed to just taking stuff in from the tubes, you know, that they're sent pushing stuff back up. And once people realize there more and more people are realizing what this um, um, possibility is, they're, you know, creating really viable um, businesses um, like this. And my insight, when I think about the platforms, is where I, I kind of think about where is this going, right? Like, where are we right now as we're all migrating to Cloudlandia? Everybody is, the platforms right now are like, imagine the beginning of television, NBC, CBS, ABC, like you you remember those days yes where mm-hmm. it was all national there was they were all one thing one location beaming across the country from the national broadcasting center and that was- and 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 the, the important thing is that they were broadcasting okay yeah. they weren't interacting they were broadcasting right. And now, then, the I, I wonder where in the history of television did the network affiliates come in where they started building the local NBC affiliate where your, uh, you know, your, your local um, cable was from your local uh, TV market, like all these local market yeah. there. Well, I think that well, I just level. read uh, I just read a history of this um okay. and it's it's called the attention merchants by okay. um this is Tim Wu who I've talked about before. Yeah. And uh he's a um lawyer professor at Columbia University. Yeah. Um, yeah. Chinese American um very charming, very articulate. Lots lots of YouTube. He has lots of YouTube videos. Um, but uh, he can actually tell you almost exactly when it happened. It happened in the late 1920s and early 1930s with NBC Radio, National okay. Broadcasting Corporation. The name says it all, the National yeah. Broadcasting uh, 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 Corporation. And yeah. um, what made it possible was that uh, NBC took advantage of AT&T. And because to have broadcasters, um, um, it wasn't a, um, you know, it wasn't a frequency or a wave that they were sending. They were sending messages through the long distance phone lines. So in order to have mm. radio distributed and have clear signal, at, you know, so NBC, let's say they had the you know, 30 biggest markets in the United States. Uh, yeah. But yeah. AT&T had already established what they called the long lines. And uh, AT&T, uh, by that time, had a monopoly. They, they eventually had, uh, you know, there was just one telephone system. And so a- if you look at the history of broadcasting, AT&T is always the silent partner with this because um, um, you can, <clears throat> you think about radio. When I was a kid, I used to love listen to radio late at night. This is the late mm-hmm. 1940s. And uh, <clears throat> you could tell by the weather report that it was going to be a good radio night. So if you look, yeah. you know, uh, because if you had clear skies, you know, there was no thunderstorms. There, were, there was no lightning storms. Um, we could pick up, you know, we lived about uh, 500 miles from Chicago. So, we could pick up Chicago. We could pick up New York City, Boston. Um, yeah. Some yeah. nights I could pick up New Orleans. If you think right. Of Northern I don't know. Ohio too. Uh, yeah. And and so, but that was iffy. It was iffy if there was, you know, 
storm fronts between you right. and those cities, you couldn't uh, you couldn't get a clear signal. You got static and interrupted mm. and everything else. So the only way you yeah. could solve it is that it had to be um, a material medium that you were sending it through, and uh, that had been mastered. I mean, by the 1930s, starting with Western Union and everything, it mastered sending signals, uh, you know, through wire. And um, so it was NBC and ABC that started the possibility for um, the um, networks. Network affiliates, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, and I NBC was the first. And NBC and think, was the first. I think that's where we are now on, in cloud. Well, I give you. I get, can I tell you how powerful it was? The first real big network show was Amos and Andy. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you talk about Seinfeld, or you talk about Friends. Uh, uh, the first um, first week, uh, you know, the first. Um, Europe, Amos and Andy, it was 81% um, 81% listening audience. Wow. Isn't that something? Yeah. And then RCA was very much involved in that too. So you got these really big, big, um, you know, these really big Goliaths of corporations. AT&T, RCA, and NBC were like the trifecta. Yeah. And that's so it's pretty interesting, like to think now if you could mirror that evolution, right? Like everything, all of these things, everybody's been treating YouTube and Instagram and all of these things as a national broadcasting opportunity that they're sending it out to the world, right? To all global, of global. Yeah, actually, yeah, global. all of yeah. all of yeah. Cloudlandia, and uh, this combination where now you can take that, but also then tailor content for the local mainland um, areas as well. Mm-hmm. There's, mm-hmm. I think, there's an opportunity for somebody to organize the. Um, the essentially the same network affiliate um, models to have national Can I I tell you why it's different from what they did uh, 100 years ago? Of course. Uh, They were monopolizing scarcity. uh, Yeah. Claudlandia Claudlandia doesn't have any real estate. (laughs) Right. Yeah. In other words, you come up with an idea and you've got a, yeah. a, someone to listen to it. You've just created yourself a, a global, um, um, you know, it's a global, I don't know if it's yeah. a network, but it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, well, here's a, we, um, Gord Vickman, uh, my podcast manager, uh, and I did, uh, two podcasts on Friday with Paul Colligan. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Paul's always great to um, talk because he's really up to date on uh, the podcast world. You know, he's yeah. really, and he, he's kind. Of, he's kind of telling you what's happening here. And um, one of the things he he showed, and th- this is uh, this struck me as being um, kind of amazing when I heard it. Uh, and he took us back because Paul's the one that set up the 10 times talk uh, program, the uh, podcast program with Joe Mm -hmm. and me. And we started in uh, August of 2012, uh, 2012. that was episode number one. And uh, Paul brought in uh, figures. He said, episode one of 10 times talk, do you know how many times it's been downloaded in um, 2021? And I said, no. He says 188 times. So something that was uh-huh. created uh, 188 times. And he says in it's 30 different countries, 30 different yeah. countries have downloaded it. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I guess if you had thought about it, uh, you would have seen the significance of this. But it just struck me is yeah. that um, if you're just coming across a podcast series, something that happened 10 years ago is brand new. 
Yes. That's the great news, right? And it's living I was just talking without with, uh, It's living without cost. Right. That's exactly it. I love uh, Joe Polish. I was just uh, talking with him a couple of days ago and I had this idea of, uh, it just came to me of a revisiting of, we're coming up on 10 years of I Love Marketing. Oh, and yes. It would be an interesting well, you got out there. How many do you have out there? I'm 300 over, or so. Over that, almost 400 now. Um, yeah. To have a uh, a series called I Love, I Love Marketing. <laughs> to go mm-hmm. meta on it and to talk about the episodes of the, like to re-bring them up because there are some amazing gems in there, including well, you and I doing a conversation about the first mention of more cheese, less whiskers. Because yes. we talked about that at uh, at a Genius Network event yes. and yes. our meeting, and you uh, we were talking about um, that, and then I remember the um, the self milking cow too yes. was one that came out of that. Like all these things, the seeds that were dropped, the the nine word mm-hmm. email as an example. Yeah. There's so many things that are deep in the uh, archives of I Love Marketing that are just as uh, valuable or have taken on lives of their own. Yeah, well, you know what's really interesting is that, um, uh, the, um, you know, I mean, uh, the next five to, uh, five to ten years, I think, um, certainly in the United States, and I think it'll spread around the world, there's going to be a coming to grips between the political system and mm-hmm. the um, um, the digital corporations, so Facebook, Twitter, Google, I think in particular Amazon too. And the issue here is a uh, U.S. Constitution issue. I mean, it's Anyone out there knows U.S. Constitution. The very first thing you get to uh, in um, in the Constitution are the Bill of Rights, and the first one is freedom of freedom of speech, freedom of assembly. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and whereas it's true that uh, uh, Facebook and Twitter and Google are not the only organization, they're they're not the only platforms of their kind. They have virtual monopoly control. Now they have um, network effect. They have network effect. In other words, it's impossible now for anyone uh, using, um, you know, the um, platforms that uh, that they, they have. It's impossible for anyone else to get started and grow because it's, uh, they did it when it was really cheap. They got started mm-hmm. when it was uh, really cheap. And yeah. uh, and you know, and they they build it on people's habits. Uh, is there a search engine? You know, I mean, is there another search in- engine uh, out there? For example, with me, I'm an Apple guy, so I never go to Bing as my, uh, uh, you know, as my um, um, search engine. Search engine. I, yeah. I go to Safari, and Safari is based on Google and. Um, yeah. Why would I? Why, why would I go to this other thing? It isn't any better, and uh, you know. And even if it is better, it's hard for them to show me how. Right. Because I'm not yeah. interested. Because I'm not really interested in their story. You know. You're not shopping, and, uh, right? No, I'm. Uh, yeah, I've I've got a cupboard full of cheese. I don't. I don't need their. Cheese, yes. You know? Right. <laughs> and, uh, and but they're 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 showing more and more whiskers because they're interfering with the political process. Yeah. So yes. Facebook coming out and banning uh, Trump for two years—that's that's not a uh, that's not a business marketplace decision. That's a political decision. That's a problem and, for them because now they can't hide behind we're just a platform because that is an editorial decision. Yeah, that's that a publisher. now makes them just a publisher. Yeah, 
Yeah. So now they and have to have they some accountability. Yeah, and what they don't realize is that, um, and I saw an article in, um, it was on, <clears throat> it was on Breitbart. I saw it on Breitbart. And Breitbart is kind of an independent, you know, they're independent in the, mm-hmm. um, the that world. And they're big. They're really, they're really big. Netflix, uh, um, what's it called? Um, Newsma- Newsmax is yeah. another big mm-hmm. one. And uh, the interesting thing is that a writer in Washington who I saw, uh, uh, Charles Hurt, he said, uh, actually, the uh, um, first of all, they got an email sent by uh, Mark Zuckerberg to Dr. Fauci saying, hey, let's get together and create a special platform just for you. So, you know, and uh, they've got, you know, it's from Mark Zuckerberg. They've got the email. Yeah. The email. And, uh, and uh, he's, you know, I mean, Dr. Fauci's uh, in the spotlight right now. And uh, whatever you think I, about I it. Don't, he's I haven't seen anything about and understand there's now. I saw something called uh, Fauci Gate. I guess what's what's I don't I missed what's happening. So, well, um, um, the U.S. passed a rule. There's a, there's a term in this uh, biotechnology called um, uh, gain of function. It's called gain of function. And what gain function is is that you take a virus. And you weaponize it. In other words, you take a virus, and it's uh, you know it's it's a form of um, weapons creation. And the U.S. banned this. U.S. U.S. banned any funding into gain of function. Mm-hmm. Um, um, as a general rule, um, for pharmaceutical companies, scientific labs, and uh, it turns out that Dr. Fauci's um, organization uh, abided by this, but he made an exception for one clinic in the world, and it was the Wuhan lab in China. Uh-oh. <laughs> and they got it in writing. I mean, they, they oh, got no. uh, his exception, the writing and everything else. And uh, and not only that, but he was sending them money. You know, this goes back to 20 years goes back 20 years and every time it's come up he said yes but i'm making an exception for the wuhan lab now i think he's a silly old you know i'm really if i look at him i think he's a silly old uh civil servant who um doesn't have a very very strong sense of outside reality and has an enormous sense of bureaucratic uh, backstaging and he never in his mildest dreams dreamed that he would be in the spotlight with something like this and uh, a star was made <laughs> wow <laughs> he's like mr beast <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> in another realm and uh you know the truth of it will be revealed but uh they they've got a couple thousand of his emails and they're um he doesn't look good. Wow, this is from his emails. Now you got Mark Zuckerberg, yeah. who never looks good. <laughs> yeah, Mister, you know, is he human? Talking to Mister doesn't look good. So, <laughs> right. Wow. How's that? How's that for your afternoon conspiracy making menu? <laughs> I feel caught up. Yeah. Yeah. So this is happening. But here's the the something that doesn't know is that. The right now, 30 of the states in the United States are wholly governed by the Republicans. They have the upper hand. They have they have the governor. They have the legislature, and um, the attorney generals can act as a group. So let's say you get 30 attorney generals of states in the United States. They got a lot of wallet, and they just they just sue um, Facebook for 10 trillion dollars. Let's put up a number. And this is for all the damage that Facebook has caused by not allowing um, a a completely wide dissemination of news about the COVID virus, which they have just, you know, not allowed anything that would indicate that this might be 
deliberate on the part of the Chinese or uh, it may have been an accident, but they covered up the accident and there were people in the U.S. who were conniving with the Chinese and money was being sent. None of that has been allowed to be on um, Facebook for the last year. And they said, as a result of this, you have caused us collectively $10 trillion in damages now and into the future. Wow. And we could do that with Twitter and we could do that with Google. I'd, um, you know, but this is where it's getting dicey. And this is where the uh, mainland world uh, really uh, comes into play. And that is there are things called countries and there are things called, uh, you know, uh, things called laws and there's things called constitutions. Yeah. And, and um, um, if the effect of your Cloudlandia activities are that you've done uh, provable damage in the mainland, then probably you're going to you're going to spend your time in the mainland process. This is uh, it's there's so many um, intricacies or layers to this interaction and fluidity between the mainland and Cloudland. Mm-hmm. Where mm-hmm. those all, you know, because there are things that are. I'm trying to think about how to, um, you know, clarify things like there are things that can 100% take place in Cloudlandia. And that's, we're seeing that in every manner of physical good, that every physical product can eliminate the digital, has a digital presence. Well, that even a physical, even a physical product, right? If it's a physical product that's as is and doesn't require, um, you know, doesn't, uh, for whatever reason, like frozen food or uh, fresh food or fresh local vegetables or things like that, anything, you know, that's why Amazon books and electronics and you know clothes items uh home goods every physical product can be 100 percent transacted in the cloud often far more conveniently than you can do it um on the mainland and have it brought right to you at the very latest tomorrow no matter where you mm-hmm. are um mm-hmm. And so I'm looking at where this happens on that spectrum. And then you've got sort of hybrid things like food where you can 100% uh, organize the transaction in Cloudlandia, like mm-hmm. Mr. Beast Burger, Uber Eats, uh, all of that stuff where you can see what you want, order it, tell them to... Yeah deliver it to you, but it has to be done on the mainland locally within that zone of where you are. And this is where I'm looking on the things like your, your haircut that you get every week in the same place is you can't digitize your haircut. You've got to go to Yorkville. But uh, I can get him to deliver. So either way, he's got to come to you or you've got to go to Yorkville. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm talking about. The, um, you know, this hybrid uh, thing, like where there are things that are decidedly much more local than, than, yeah. 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 And this, uh, this is part of my contention, you know, that I've made. And I don't know if you've yeah. gotten your book yet, but I put out the book Zooming Ahead and I, I make ahead. I said that the best way to think about this is that, um, you know, that Zoom is a new travel, it's a new travel yes. system. <clears throat> right. You know? And I said, because, um, 
are people not communicating in other ways because of Zoom? No, they're still using their cell phones. They're, yeah. you know, they're still emailing. They're, uh, they're, they're making use of every single other uh, communication device. So Zoom yeah. is not threatening anybody's um, communication network. They're threatening transportation systems. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, who who uh, is not making money a year later because 500 million Zoom grew 50 times? Well, no. Yeah. Any form of transportation is getting less of people's dollars uh, yes. than they were uh, last year. And you're thinking through things that were just automatic. I mean, uh, yeah. You know, think of our track, our your travel. You know, every year your travel routine and my travel routine. Now, it was unconscious in the sense that it was habitual. You didn't give it any thought. You right. know, uh, you didn't give it any thought. You said, "Well, right, it's, it's Chicago week. We have to go to Chicago." So eight months out of the year, I had a Chicago week. Come on, it's just automatic. You didn't give it any thought. And, right. Um, and now you're saying, hmm, we've done without Chicago week now for 15 months, and uh, yeah. we're still getting the economic benefit of the Chicago week. We're just not going to Chicago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what changed? Yeah. It's, what, what? I, it's amazing. Yeah, it is really amazing. Like, I look at that for myself even, like, since. So in the last 15 months, I've missed five or six trips to Chicago, I guess, yep. right? So far. So all I've missed is, uh, so that's. Well, whatever. actually Let's the biggest it, thing uh, that you, the biggest thing that you've missed is dinner at our home, you know, dinner. And, that's uh, right. Conversation and I, at home, you know, and I do miss that. Yeah. Yes, you're absolutely right. And that's, the moment, with, just, the moment that you go back, to that schedule and we go back to that schedule we'll be having dinner and we'll have dinner at our house you know yeah and um you know so yeah so so my sense is that when you you know going back to your creator um creator uh economy yeah. um first of all i think it's i think it's you're using those numbers but i think in fact that it may be 10 times bigger than can be measured Mm-hmm. Yes. Because, it's, uh, for example, if you use the Zoom model, they're up 50 times in a year. So there's 500 million people yeah. if they count every every user, every daily user. So it's 500 million. And that's daily users. That's, yeah. that's not all yeah. users. That's just daily users. Um, you know, uh, uh, and well, no, it's the total number of daily users, but it's probably not 500 million the same people. There are some people who do it once a week or they do it twice a week. Uh, and, uh, and there's some people like, certainly my case, I would say, uh, on average, all the days since last March is three hours a day on average, three, three, three hours times 365. Uh, and and the the whole point is, um, what do you suppose is what do you suppose is going on with those five hundred million daily users? What, what do you think they're up to? Yeah. Well, I wonder. It'd be interesting to see how many of them are, uh, you know, remote workers who are employees of a uh, a big organization. How many are teachers and students, and how many are, you know, entrepreneurs creating virtual classrooms or virtual events? Like, I think this is. I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday about this is. I think this is the age of what I've been saying is once people realize that we're in the once people realize age that uh, once people realize, for instance, that you can get the same response rates with digital Facebook ads that you get 
with postcards for one-tenth the cost. Once people realize that and have that sort of framework around something, it makes Facebook make sense. And there's so much you think differently about it, right? And I think that the same thing, once people realize what you could actually do with the platform of Zoom, like once people realize, like me and you, that once people realize we can have 25-person events that are intimate and interactive without the travel and without the uh, thing, the uh, hassles, it's, it's going to be difficult to go back words from that, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you know, it's funny. I mean, yeah. the, um, bare naked ladies in Canada had an amazing concert that they went through all of the things where they were at, I think it was Massey hall where they did, um, um, live concerts at Massey hall, but there was nobody in the audience audience. It was, 100% to be streamed. So it was like full production value of a real live concert meant purpose built to stream that people could um, watch it at home. Mm-hmm. And you realize mm-hmm. you can go reach the whole globe with one concert, like a, a paper purview you know like tonight dan i don't know if you follow on the news the sports um stuff but uh floyd mayweather is mm-hmm. fighting tonight logan paul who is a youtuber <laughs> who's built up to the you know this international uh guy with enough clout to pull off a pay-per-view fight with Floyd Mayweather that will bring. If he doesn't die, money. he's won. If he doesn't die, he's won. Yes, hundreds of millions of dollars. Exactly. No, I mean, if he doesn't die. <laughs> yes. I mean, isn't that something? I mean, it's so. Uh, I mean, this is this is it's. Uh, so I'm streaming the fight, of course, tonight. So we'll see because this is going to be a. Uh, fun uh, research uh, thing but well it's uh, well it's really interesting that you bring bring this up because um um i marked the beginning of the digital age um um when was the thrill in manila and uh-huh. that was 19 1973 it was um uh it was george uh it was um uh, well Muhammad, Muhammad Ali, Ali. Joe, yeah. Joe Fraser, Joe Fraser. Yeah. And uh, it was the first event um, of its kind. And I say of its kind because the moon landing had a, you know, in 1969 had a huge, yeah. uh, but the, uh, but for a um, form of entertainment, yeah. the, uh, you know, is that it was the first um, complete satellite uh, event live oh. in the world. Yeah, is that and, right? Uh, yeah, I remember yeah. in 1972 and, the uh, the hockey, the Russians and Canadians. Yeah, well that that might have been that might have been before. Although um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, hockey's a more specialized sport than yeah than boxing is uh, than boxing is. Yeah, yeah, could be, could be. But yeah. a lot of people said that where the event itself, that it was satellite and uh, global, was talked about as much as the the event itself. It, there, yeah. there were two events. There was, you know, the heavyweight championship uh, fight, and most watched ever. But the big thing was that it was watched every everywhere, and uh, so. Um, so it's yeah. funny that uh, that's you know there's a example of the regional 
thing of it. Like, you know, the, the series in 72 between Canada and Russia was really everybody in Canada knew that I was friends with Paul Henderson who yeah. there's not a person in Canada who doesn't know who Paul Henderson is, but yeah. there's, and I said, you know, I, I saw, I, you know, I was at my ad agency and we got together and we watched, um, everybody watched, you know, everybody yeah. watched the live, you know, and the goal, I mean, that's like the, it was exciting. The, and was it's a, like everybody in Canada knows exactly where you were when Paul Henderson yeah. scored the winning goal. And so there's, yeah. that's a perfect example of a guy who has amazing fame in Canada. And as soon as he walks across the border, nobody knows who he is. No. It's an interesting yeah. thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So these are, I mean, uh, the thing that I'm appreciating about, uh, you know, where we're going with this today mm-hmm. for observing and seeing the difference in learning. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. That uh, we're very quickly, um, you know, shifting into a, um, yeah. an- another world. And, uh, I, I see a couple of things here that, uh, um, you know, there's there's difference of degree and there's difference of kind. You know, if yeah. you think about things, uh, you know, this is 10% different than something else. But yeah. difference of kind is that you're you're measuring it in a completely new environment. And I think mm-hmm. that uh, what you're talking about is a difference of kind. And where I mentioned in the very beginning, what was... I think a good similar story um, was I heard you one time talk about these sign wars between, I think it was two hamburger restaurants saying best hamburger on the street. Yeah. And then somebody putting up a sign. I think, I think it may have the one that I heard, it may have been a furniture. There were two furniture companies and they were, there we go. So tell me, that, tell me the, yeah. The progression. Well, one, uh, they, you know, they've been competing with each other forever. And then one of them said, um, best, uh, best furniture store on the, on the street. And the other one responded by saying, um, best, best furniture in the downtown. Next one, mm-hmm. best furniture in the city, best furniture in the state, best furniture in the country, best furniture on the planet, best furniture in the solar system, best furniture in the cosmos. Best, fr- best furniture store on the street. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. This is where I think we're somewhere between the universe and the cosmos, or however, uh, in, yeah. in the and migration then if you really want to be Cloudlandia. Just, yeah, just. Uh, uh, yeah. I think we're yeah, going to land yeah. back at the street. You know, can I tell you one uh, that uh, I'd like uh-huh. to talk about next time? So yes. they yeah. finally, you know, are interviewing everybody in the UK. Apparently, this is the British Broadcasting Corporation. They finally got to Prince Edward. You know who Prince Edward is? Um, I I remember I've heard those words. I can't. I could. Yeah, Prince uh, Edward is tell you number about the man. four. Prince, Prince Edward is number four of the Queen's children. So you got Charles, okay. uh, then you got Anne, then you have Randy, Andy, you know, and uh, Prince Andrew, and then uh-huh. there's this fourth one called Prince Edward. And I've Prince never heard Edward of him. Has, And Prince Edward has had, you know, he's, um, you know, he's probably certainly in his fifties, uh, certainly, you know, probably maybe late fifties. Wow, and, he's been very uh, low-key. Well, not only that, he's just got the dream world. He gets all the benefits of being a royal, um, but nobody knows him. Mm. <laughs> so anyway, they finally got... And he he, uh, he, he was in filmmaking. He, you know, he had a... Uh, you know, he was partners in a film company. They did documentaries, and he does other things. But, you know, about... 20 years ago, he just settled down to doing the royal thing, you know, you know, mm-hmm. openings and closings and uh, funerals and 
everything else. And he's married to okay. a woman who owned a public relations firm, which I thought okay. was uh, really good. So they got around to the Megan and Harry, um, you know, Megan and Harry against the royal family. And, um, and they, they asked him what he thought about it. And he said, uh, Oprah who? You see, and what I found really, really interesting, you know, is that some people are saying, "Well, you know, what a dummy or whatever like that." And I said, "No, uh, he's part of a bigger brand than Oprah is. You know, mm-hmm. like he, he was born into a brand that's been around for hundreds of years and will yes. be around forever. And Oprah isn't. Oprah's already right." It was to Oprah's advantage to actually have something that put her in the spotlight again, because she's been fading. You know, she's been fading. Yes. She's getting older. She's fading. She's rich. Uh, Yeah. But uh, but ask, um, you know, ask, um, where would you start? Uh, Below which age you'd have to explain who Oprah Winfrey is? Well, I don't think you'd have to. I think it would be uh, certainly. Yeah, I'm not sure whether today's 20 year olds would know who Oprah is. Maybe. They might have heard the name, but they yeah. they they wouldn't they wouldn't see her as this major you know, right. global yeah. global thing. Well, yeah. I think the queen. You know, the queen. Uh, the queen is the only queen of her kind on the planet, and likely to be mm-hmm. the only the only one going forward. Not the last Britain one. Has, yeah. Well, I I don't know about that. Well, certainly the last family, you know, where you have succession. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, now that the British have uh, escaped from having their identity tied up with the uh, you know the EU, you know. Now I'm noticing. I'm the uh, the Brits are really great packagers. I, have you noticed that when you're in London at the stores and everything? Yeah, uh, yeah. They, they have a great package. They have a great packaging and uh, instinct. Uh, you know, uh, branding instinct. Yes. And now they have this thing called Global Britain. And now Britain is going out, and Britain is going to relate to everything in the world because they already have the Commonwealth. You know, they've got this old. Um, you know, representation of the British Empire. I think there's about mm-hmm. 65 countries in it. And they're renewing all their relationships with all these uh, places, including the U.S. and Canada and Australia and New Zealand and Singapore and India and everything like that. And they're going back. But the Queen is really part of that brand, this big global brand. So she's there. So I was saying that, uh, you know, probably Megan and Harry really, really have to scramble every day to not be forgotten. But uh, here's Edward, you know, um, he just floats down the Royal River, you know, I mean, he's, he's number, number four. And, uh, you know, he, he, nothing's required of him. He doesn't have to do anything. And uh, that, that, so when he was asked what he thought about the Megan and Harry thing, his answer really told me that he said, Oprah who? Oprah who? Mm-hmm. But he was differentiating between the brand that he belongs to and another brand that Harry and Megan were trying to attach themselves to some other brand. And yeah. he, I think I think he was just defining it. And she, you know what uh, the Queen did, if you think about it, and we can talk about this. She got Great Britain from the mainland to Cloudlandia with a single reign. Wow. How so, do you think? I mean, well, the Telegraph, which is a London paper, um, uh-huh. you know, uh, they had a Zoom call uh, with five people they had a you know they had a, a journalist and then they had uh four medical experts in the queen and they had a zoom call one right around the world a zoom call with the queen and the queen's talking about how she had gone down and got her vaccinations you know she said i don't mm-hmm. you know like a lot of people i don't like shots that much you know, i was a little bit worried but you know it was really oh, easy yeah, right. I think it's really i think it's really good i think everybody had a 
pitch in. Yeah, I think uh, uh-huh. uh, just pitch in, you know. And uh, but she had made a when she was 15 years old. This was 1940. She had been the first, um, um, not the king, uh, but the uh, a child of the royal family who gave a na- uh, national addresses. Actually, it was uh, Commonwealth wide where she was. Uh, explaining to the children of England why they had to leave the big cities and go out into the country because of the bombings. So that was 1940, and she's doing the same thing in 2021. 71, um, what yeah. was it? 50, 50 yeah. uh, 60, 60, 70. Yeah, 70, 70, 70, 70 years. Yeah. 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 And, wow. Yeah. So what I'm saying is that the, some brands from the mainland will jump to the Cloudlandia during this mm-hmm. period of time. Yeah, so yeah. we can talk about that. But this is really interesting. I mean, this is really interesting stuff. Uh, yeah. And uh, everything that was true in the mainland just got 10 times more complicated. Mm-hmm. Politics, yeah. you know, uh, you know. Transportation, oh, sure. uh, you know, uh, everything that happens where the law of gravity and um, I guess there's some gravity attached to uh, yeah, everything probably has some sort of gravitational uh, price to pay. Well, think, boy, yeah. But we're sure, sure not paying a very big, big one for the last 15 months. Amazing time to be alive. Oh, it is, and to be commenting on it and observing it, and uh, yeah. putting uh, putting our own brand on it. Uh, we being, are putting our own stamp on this. The cartographers of Cloudlandia. We're the cartographers of Cloudlandia. I That's couldn't really have said it. it better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I always enjoy it, Dan. I'm on for it. It feels week. like I must have a workshop coming up uh, sometimes. Yes, you do. Pretty soon, pretty soon, yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. Actually, okay. you can over the next What's few that? months you can do a you can do a workshop every week if you want. <laughs> hey, there we go. Okay, I like it. I'm gonna All right. pop in. Thanks, Dan. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye.